That's right, everybody. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking this journey inside the Black Vault with me. I'm your host, John Greenwald Jr. And today's a little bit of a short update, but also some thoughts as we move forward here about the story of the UFO whistleblower, David Grush. Now, I'm sure you've heard a lot of the media stories. It's died down a little bit uh, since it first appeared a couple weeks ago. But there's some new developments that I think are pretty cool. So I wanted to make this short update video for you, bring you that update, but also to kind of give you some thoughts of where I'm at with it, if you couldn't tell from the from the first video I dropped uh, to today. Now, as you can tell from that video, for those who did watch it, I'm pretty skeptical about the claims. And it's not just because I or anybody else who's skeptical about the claims wants to be a debunker and is pushing back on any good development that has happened. Uh, quite the opposite. When it comes to me, you have to keep in mind, for those who haven't been around the field for decades, I have been around this UFO stuff for about 27 years. And in that time alone, I have seen numerous high-ranking either government or military officials or private corporation, but highly cleared when it came to classification, uh, let's say from Lockheed Martin, uh, Boyd Bushman comes to mind, highly cleared individuals working on top secret stuff, irrefutable that they are, but have these grandiose claims of even speaking with aliens or having photographs of aliens. Philip Corso is another one that has come to mind. Uh, you know, that's look, it's a book that will forever live in infamy in this field. But really, our world didn't change after he came out. He didn't really bring anything with it. But for the price of his book, you can hear all about a lot of his claims and so on and so forth. And those are only two off the top of my head. I mean, there's a lot more over the years that have come forward, some with more grandiose claims than others. So skepticism towards David Grush is not because it's David Grush and we want to you know, completely combat any type of claim that's made today. No, it's rather based on a long history of people making these types of claims, but saying, trust me, I have the proof, but I can't show you. Now, David Grush could have every good intention in the world and even believe what he's saying. I, I, I can absolutely buy that. But whether or not he is being played or that he caught that he was being played or he's misinterpreting information or whatever the case may be, again, you don't need to automatically label somebody a liar. They could absolutely believe what they are telling you, but what they are telling you is not necessarily the truth. So the skepticism, I think, is well-deserved, again, for, for, for dealing with the big picture, dealing with all of these claims that have come around for decades. I think it's the right approach to treat this with the same amount of skepticism as all the other ones that have come forward, but sadly fell flat on trying to prove their grandiose claims to us. But that brings me to the newest development, which makes David Grush's story kind of stick out compared to the rest. Whether or not it's true or not, this is where it gets kind of cool. And now I'm kind of popping the popcorn in the back in my kitchen there, waiting for what I hope is going to happen. Now, let, first, let me, public, uh, let me uh, publicize and give credit where it is due to the journalist who broke this story, Matt Laszlo. And uh, or Laszlo, I'm sorry if I pronounced that uh, incorrectly, Matt, uh, but but all credit to him who, uh, for breaking this story uh, just a, a couple of days ago that Kirsten Gillibrand is organizing a hearing with David Grush and possibly along with other current and former government officials 
who seemed to corroborate Grush's claims. Now, that makes Grush automatically stick out from the rest because here we are with a hearing potentially getting Grush in front of the cameras, in front of the Senate for a open hearing available to the public. Again, as Matt reports here, Gillibrand says they'll be open to the public if Grush agrees to allow cameras in. Now, I'm a little surprised at that just simply because if you're giving, let's say, whistleblower protection or immunity uh, per se to this person who's making the claims, why is it their choice then to have cameras in the room? I get it. Maybe they, they get uncomfortable. Maybe they don't want to blast people's names in front of everybody. That's fine. We can make certain stipulations. But we're talking about not only grandiose claims, and I don't want to diminish this, but, but rather things that taxpayers paid for, whether by illegal funds or not, we are still putting the money into the coffers. We have a right to know. And these are our elected representatives who are going for this information and going to put Grush under oath, put him in front of the committee and essentially have him tell his story. I don't believe that he should have that choice. That's not to be offensive towards uh, Grush at all, but rather, come on, let this is ridiculous. Uh, we shouldn't allow him to make the stipulations. If he wants to make the claim, let's make them. He doesn't have to put accusations on anybody. Those can absolutely be behind closed doors. So he doesn't have to name names, but let's, you know, either make up pseudonyms or something. But I think the public definitely has a right to know. So I'm a little surprised at that. Maybe that's just protocol and procedure for, for, for experts that they're going to bring in. So fine. You know, it is what it is. But uh, I, my disagreement stands on whether or not that should actually happen. Uh, but definitely check out Matt's blog here uh, and reporting I, 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 on his website. And I'll link that in the show notes below. So you have that and you can. Uh, explore more in depth. He's actually written some more stories since since this one. I'm not going to go through all of them. But again, full credit to him. He's the one that broke the story. He's the one that uh, deserves the credit. So make sure you go check out his website and, uh, and, and take a look at this exclusive story that he wrote. But I want to switch gears a little bit with that development. So there's the update, right? I wanted to just give you like, this is where we're at. If, if the Senate is finally taking this seriously and they're going to put Grush under oath in front of their committee, that's great. And, and, I, and I hope that it happens, right? I'm crossing my fingers. I, I hope that the, uh, that the Senate will hear from Grush. I hope that he agrees to have cameras. And I hope we all hear a little bit more about his story. But switching gears a little bit, here is the deepest part of my skepticism about Grush's claims. And although I covered it a little bit in the first video I did on this, I want to punch the note again with a little bit more detail because I think it's deserving. And I think that this can be applied to anybody who's essentially bringing forward any other types of claims that are grandiose and nothing happens to them, meaning they don't get taken away in cuffs for spilling security secrets or whatever. Um, I think that this is something that we have to take into consideration all the time, and it's rooted to the security classification guide on, on UAP. And I believe that this is going to be a key part in unraveling this mystery on what truth there is behind Grush. Now, I hope that I am wrong. However, this has bothered me since day one, so I'm going to explore it a little deeper with you because I got a lot of questions for my skepticism when it came to this as well. 
uh, and I had brought up the, the, the guide briefly, but also the Dopser approval for Grush being able to speak about all of his claims that he has been with with essentially clearance from the Department of Defense and their arm called Dopser. Now, a quick refresher, Dopser is the arm of the DOD that essentially reviews information from former or potentially even current DOD personnel that want to speak about something, but they are or were a clearance holder, and and Dopser's job is to ensure that nothing that they talk about, no claim that they make, no program that they talk about, no anything encroaches into to, to classified territory. But the key is, is that's all they're looking for. They do not endorse the information and they do not fact check the information. They ensure that no classified information is within somebody's manuscript or book, television, screenplay, letter, speech, PowerPoint presentation, whatever. That's what they are there for. And they are cleared at the top secret level. And their protocols and procedures allow them to look at what is being put in front of them, review it, and then make that determination. Once they make that determination, they will put on there a stamp for open publication. And that's it. Now, part of Gresh's story was that, as we are told, he did this. He took his information, he took his claims, he put them all on paper on what he was going to say to apparently Leslie Kane, Ralph Blumenthal, and later News Nation, put them to Dopser and said, okay, I want to talk about this. And he got the open clearance to do it. Now, in Leslie Kane and Ralph Blumenthal's article that was published in the debrief, that was a point that was punched. Why? Because it's interesting. Because he got the clearance. But when you dig a little bit deeper, the question should be, why did he get the clearance? If so, if this stuff is completely highly classified at the most top secret level, entrenched into special access programs and so on and so forth, it should have never passed Dobser. And the biggest pushback on that was two things. The first being Dobser's not cleared. They're not high enough to be cleared. So they're not in the know. So to them, it's all bunk, but in reality, they're just not read into the program. Now, I'm sorry, that does not hold any weight whatsoever to me, because again, their entire job is to ensure that no classified information spills out into the open. But that does not automatically mean that they have to be read in to every single special access program or anything like that in order to determine that. Because when somebody puts information before them, I've never worked for Dopser, never worked for the DOD, despite those conspiracies about me. However, I know enough to know that they're probably going to do their due diligence to at least put some feelers out, take that information. And even though they're not cleared to, again, have carte blanche access to every special access program and government secret that, that has existed uh, from the beginning of, of the government itself, even though that might not be the case, their policies and procedures are going to have them take that information and extend to other arms of the DOD to ensure that that information that may be more better served asking Department A or Department B, hey, is this classified material? They will do that. And in order for Department A or Department B to look at it, they will, Dopser sends it over, and they don't need to read anybody in. All they have to say is no. 
we are not clearing this. That goes back to Dopser. Dopser sees that and goes, okay, it's not cleared. And Grush doesn't get his cleared for open publication stamp. Now I'm nutshelling the, the, the protocols here, but again, they have these set procedures outlined because they have a specific mission and has had that specific mission for quite some time. So the whole, well, they're just not cleared enough doesn't make any sense whatsoever because how many times have they seen, and I don't have an answer to this, but how many times have they seen information that they may not have been quote unquote read in on, but ultimately got denied. Okay. So that information would be invaluable at this point. And we probably will never know the answer because it's not cleared for open publication. So we probably won't hear about that. But my entire point is, is you can't argue that Dopser isn't cleared enough. So they just go ahead and stamp it for approval anyway, because we'd probably, since Dopser has come around and these review processes have been developed, we likely should have seen maybe an accident or an oopsie by now. And I am not aware of a single one. So I think based on that track record and Please, if anybody knows one, uh, meaning one of those oopsies, let me know. But given that reality that we haven't seen that yet, my guess is the policies and procedures are fairly strong and they couldn't really verify anything was classified. Okay, so that argument just doesn't stand with me. The other argument that is often touted about Grush is that he can speak about this stuff, even though it's highly secretive and highly classified because he's giving broad stroke details. He's not giving you a program name or a blueprint to the alien saucer or the biological makeup of an alien dead pilot, as he described them or whatever. So he's, he's absent those classified details, but he can broad stroke talk about it with no problem because that's not classified. That to me is also a hor horrible argument. And to me, that is easily also dismissed. Now that's where I now bring up the security classification guide. When you talk about highly classified programs and you talk about these highly classified programs without specific detail, they're still classified. I have long used the stealth fighter example just to kind of make it easy. Back in the day when the stealth fighter was never known to the general public and the F-117 was in development and even flying for however many years that it was, you could not give broad stroke details about an aircraft flying in the sky uh, that, that was essentially describing the F-117 and that's okay. You couldn't do that. Right. I mean, there was leaks all the time to aviation week magazine was notorious for getting these leaks about what was in development. However, you still couldn't talk about that even again in broad strokes. And it's because the details about a classified program or classified piece of technology, the, 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 the facts surrounding whatever we are talking about are classified in themselves meaning it's inherently classified, meaning you can't go around describing stealth technology before it was acknowledged. Uh, and just because you didn't give the program name it was involved in or the blueprint and chemical composition of how it was made, that doesn't mean you can still talk about it. And to prove that it's very easy. 
we can use the security classification guide for UAP. Now, if you don't know what this is, the security classification guide is uh, something that I had received back in, let me pull up the, the PDF here so we have it, uh, back in December of 2021. And this was a big get for me because this was the first time it had ever been released to the public. But it also proved what we kind of knew already, but now it was definitive that there was a guide on how to classify UAP. What was classified? What wasn't? At what level of classification? And UAP isn't the only thing with a classification guide. There are many things with classification guides. It defines the secrecy about programs and or topics. In this case, UAP. Now, when you scroll down, this is what I had received. And I have a whole video on this. So please, if you're, if you're curious about this, make sure that you check out that video because I go into much greater detail. But you can see that it was prepared in April of 2020. It was approved by Scott Bray. Yes, he's the one that was at that first uh, UAP hearing in front of Congress. He was uh, there with Ronald Moultrie. Uh, he approved it in April of 2020. So this thing has been around for a while. And again, just to nutshell it, this defines the secrecy behind UAP. Now, you'll see, I'm not going to read it to you because, again, that video goes into much more detail, but this is what I want to focus in on. These are essentially the definitions of what and what isn't classified. And you'll see here that they're not blueprints, they're not photographs, they're not anything but the facts surrounding UAP. For example, the term UAP. Well, we all know it. It's not a classified term. So that is spelled out that the classification is U or unclassified. 1B, the fact that Navy pilots and other Department of Navy personnel have witnessed and that certain DON or Department of Navy technical systems have detected at unspecified times and places UAPs. That fact considered unclassified. Another one, the fact that the frequency of UAP sightings has increased in recent years without any further information regarding when, where, or how often sightings have been reported. That fact, unclassified. I'll read one more. The fact that Navy has an ongoing effort to gain knowledge and insight into the nature and origins of UAPs, as well as their operations, capabilities, performance, and or signatures. That fact is unclassified. You can see here that there's a couple more. The last one talks about the task force mission, the fact that the task force mission is to detect, analyze, catalog, consolidate, and exploit non-traditional aerospace vehicles slash UAP posing an operational threat to U.S. national security and avoid strategic surprise. That fact is unclassified. So again, you're not seeing blueprints, photographs, videos, or anything of great detail other than the facts surrounding what is, and you can tell by here, a highly classified issue within the United States military. When you get past those few facts on the first page that are all unclassified, you get to all of this. Now, we don't know what is under all of this. We have a header here, intelligence collection, exploitation, analysis, and products underneath that all redacted. You can see there all national security reasons on why it's redacted. Look, it even keeps going. Now, what does this tell us? Even though we can't read what's under the black, what does this tell us? Well, let me take it back to Grush. If anything that Grush is claiming, like dead alien pilots, like captured non-human craft, 
all of that is connected to UAP. I mean, he used the term. That's, that's just what the whole topic is all about. So those facts, the realization that, again, dead pilots, alien craft, that we have all of this stuff, wreckage, uh, debris, all that kind of stuff. If that is true, it's under this. It's under all this black, right? I think we can all agree to that. That if what Grush is saying, let's let's get beyond the debate. If what he is saying, it would be under here. Because the entire point of this guide in the classified world is to define classification for UAP. So if Grush is telling the truth, that stuff would have to be here. That's just how this works. And yet all of it is redacted. Ergo, it would be classified. Translation, Dobser would never let this fly. And since it was dealing with UAP, we could probably deduce that Dobser went to a couple of different places. Since Grush had claimed he was from the UAP task force, then the Navy would likely be a place that they would extend out to and say, hey, we've got somebody who wants to talk about XYZ, and the Navy would come back. Again, doesn't have to read Dobser into anything. Obviously, arms of the DOD would be places that they would extend out to and say, hey, we've got a guy who wants to talk about this. Can he talk about this? And obviously, he got the stamp of approval. Yet, all of this, all the other details, other than the select few that I read to you, and there's like one or two more that I skipped, but they're pretty non-exciting. We've known it for years. All unclassified. Everything else is classified. And I'm running into that problem when dealing with UAP-related requests, that if I'm not, not dealing with those few things like pilots seeing something and those very basic facts, everything is coming back classified. Yet Grush was able to talk about this. This is a huge problem for me because you can't look at this, a proven, factual, irrefutable document. You can't look at this and understand the true, deep classification nature behind UAP and then turn around and look at Grush and go, ha, I bet he's totally fine to talk about all this. Those things do not go hand in hand. Now, I can smell the third excuse that people are going to throw at me when they uh, hear that I am saying, hey, look, this classification guide defines all secrecy, that everybody is left in the dark. Anybody who played a role into this, which we do know was UAP task force members. I do, I do believe I know who wrote this. Uh, I don't think that that is public yet. I can't prove it yet. I aim to. I am 99.9% .9 sure I know who wrote it. But I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to play secrets here. I can't prove it, so I'm not going to make the claim yet. But I believe that I am close to doing so. However, there was another UAP task force member who claims to have helped write this. That was Travis Taylor. So he has openly said that. I don't have any documentation to back that up. I also don't have any reason to disbelieve him. So fine. So Dr. Travis Taylor played a role in making this. But we also don't know who else outside of the task force may have been in charge of or overlooking this. So that third excuse that I could just see, the writing is on the wall that people are going to throw at me. Well, all of them are just in the dark. The UAP task force was not read in as Grush claimed. So Travis Taylor wouldn't know about all of that. He wouldn't put that information in the security guide and so on. But I don't have any type of example in the history of security classification guides or anything like this that I've found yet. Anybody who has one, send it on where there are multiple security classification guides. 
that security classification guide is used at this level, but then there's another security classification guide used at the top level uh, that deals with dead alien pilots and alien craft that we have in our possession. Um, I'm sorry, I don't I don't know of any, nor do I think that that is even that makes sense. So these types of excuses to fall back on to kind of help crutch Grush's claims along, they actually don't help in the long run at all, because it's going against a documented historical fact about how all these things work. And if people want to fall back on that and say that this is the first time in history that any of that has ever happened, but I can absolutely see it happening. Great. But you're going to have to try and prove it somehow. And that's the biggest problem that I have with Grush's claims. Again, it's not that he's making it all up and he's some big fat liar. Um, No, he could absolutely believe what he's telling you that he could have absolutely heard from whomever he heard it from the claims that he's stating. But look at all the evidence on what kind of throws a monkey wrench into the wheel of this being true. And I think that there's a lot going against it, which again is the root of my skepticism. But as we inch closer, I hope anyway, to Gillibrand's effort to get Grush in front of the Senate and in front of committees under oath, I can't wait because I want to hear what he has to say. And I understand he may not be able to name names in that setting. That's not what I'm interested in. But if they give him that ability to go under oath and to essentially speak freely and to have that immunity and the whistleblower language is solid and there's claims that Grush played a role in helping write that language. Okay, I mean, if that's true, again, a little wonky there that 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 Grush would be in the office, you know, helping, but fine. Okay, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to chastise it. So. If that's the case and he wrote it, um, then then the language here that's either coming or is already on the book should be okay for him to feel okay to speak. So I hope he doesn't have a problem with cameras. I hope that he goes in front of everybody and that I hope that he tells everybody the reality of what's going on. But in the end, this is what what kind of worries me about the deepening of secrecy behind this, coupled with the claim that Dops are just signed off on it. No problem. Yeah, David, you want to talk about this? Not a problem. You're cleared for open publication, um, whatever. That doesn't seem right to me. But I want to close this video with one extra thought that nobody's really talking about. And I hope that it becomes an outdated fact in that's in my video now, but I hope it quickly becomes outdated because I want this to change. What David Grush had submitted to Dopser is being hidden from you and I. Why is that? And I want to know. I think that there's something there. I think that there are going to be more questions to be asked. Now, we do know about page one. That has been released uh, just because they showed it on screen to new, at News Nation. So on one of the pieces, they did kind of a, what, what I call a graphic spread. And so they took the documents and they you know spread them like a fan and made a graphic out of it. The only one you could see was page one. Now that has been released. That is out there. I know Mick West actually contacted the network and got a, a clearer uh, graphic of it. 
But that was it. They would not release any other page that they got because it was not shown on screen and it's not up to them to release it. That's the best of how I understand that played out. And that's totally understandable. I get it. So now back to David Grush. Why wouldn't he release this? Obviously, the journalists saw it. I would hope anyway, but they saw what he submitted to Dobser and was cleared. Uh, I got that impression from the reporting of Leslie Kane and Ralph Blumenthal. So if they could see it and News Nation graphic artists could see it, the general public should see it. And I think it's important to see exactly what David Grush submitted to Dobser, because if it has all of what he has claimed in there, again, that doesn't completely endorse it from the DOD, but at least we now have confirmation that what was told to us was true. However, they're hiding it from us. And that's what I don't understand. And I've asked, I've reached out, I've, I've tagged them. I've, um, you know, I've said this, uh, quite a few times publicly already. And other people are asking too, can't you show the entire thing that David Grush has cleared to talk about. There's no reason not to show it. He's cleared. So what's the issue? And I, and I think that the bottom line will be, there will be more questions generated once we see it than answers deduced from that document. And I don't get it. I, I, I really don't. I have a couple of ideas, but I don't, I don't, I don't really get it. I, and I do hope that they release it. So those are some final thoughts. Who knows when the next update video on this UFO whistleblower story will be um, in normal congressional style. I'm sure that hearing will be like seven years from now, but um, I hope not. I hope it is something that they fast track. Of course, I was being facetious there. Hopefully it will be something somewhat relatively uh, in the near future, because I think we all deserve the, Right. We, we all have the right to know and we deserve the truth about what this story is. I think we've heard enough. If there's congressional interest, interest in the Senate from senators and, and specifically, let's hear it. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to see it. I want to see it happen, but I'm not holding my breath, but we'll see. At the very least, though, let's see that Dobser paperwork. If you guys agree with me, definitely write Ralph Blumenthal, Leslie Kane, and Ross Coltart. Be nice, be respectful, uh, but let them know that you want to see that Dobser paperwork too. Let's just put it all on the table. Are there more tidbits of information that was not released to us? Were there details that are being bantered about in the media right now that were not in the Dobser play? I mean, again, there's a lot of different questions that we can ask there. So why don't we just see it? And none of these stories are ever black and white or easy. I never understand that, but the question stands. So again, I stress, please be respectful to all of them. Uh, if you do decide to reach out, but let them know, Hey, let's see the Dobser paperwork. Let's get David Grush to publish it. We all have a right to know. At least I think we do. If you like these videos, please give a thumbs up. That's always a big help to me. If you're listening on the podcast version, just know there are always audio live or excuse me, video live streams as well. Just go to www.theblackvault.com slash live. Make sure you're subscribed to that YouTube channel. And on the reverse, if you didn't know that I drop a lot of these to the audio podcast version under the Black Vault Radio on most of your podcast streaming platforms like iTunes and Spotify and you name it, uh, it's on there. Just search for the Black Vault Radio. I take the videos, drop them to audio. Sometimes they're not as fun because you can't see it, but so many of you prefer that, even minus the visuals. So there you have it. Both resources are available to you. But again, please, please leave reviews if you can on no matter what platform that you are looking at 
watching, listening to, or whatever. Thanks again for that. This is John Greenwald Jr. signing off. And until next time, we'll see you then.